Well, I am excited just to be able to share with you this morning, and I'm going to be talking about a posture of surrender. It's not necessarily an easy topic, but I think a necessary one. So years ago, I had it all planned out. I was about to graduate with my Bachelor's of Theology, where I majored in cross-cultural communications, and I was extremely excited about what was coming next, and I had planned to head off to India. Now, many years earlier, it's important for you to know when I was about 13, God really impressed this country on my heart, and I knew one day that I was going to end up living and working in that amazing country. But what I didn't realize is the timeline. And clearly, what was coming next was not necessarily what I thought should have unfolded, was not necessarily my agenda or my plan. As I was getting ready to graduate, I got a call from a little church in a small community on North Vancouver Island. They were asking me to come and serve as their church secretary. Truth was, I was a little bit confused. I was like, what? You want me to come and, and serve as your church secretary? See, there was no other job offers in front of me at that point, and, and I was just so confused. I was like, really? God, is this what you want me to do? I remember praying and, and being a little bit upset and asking God, really? This is it? This is what I'm supposed to do? I wrestled through the pros and the cons, and I honestly thought my life was supposed to be very different at this point. And so as I wrestled through this, I wrote my list, the good things, the hard things, all of it. I remember crying and being really upset. And in that moment, I remember crying out to God, and I remember telling him that I was willing to do this. Now, I'm going to tell you that it was not what I wanted to do, but I was willing to go if this is what he wanted of me. You see, that place of surrender was not arrived at easily in my life, I assure you. I placed myself in a posture of openness and willingness, willing to move to a little community and serve however I could. But something happened when I actually surrendered that situation in my life. In fact, I didn't even hear from that pastor in that little community again. But suddenly, another door opened that would lead me to my first pastorate in the community of Terrace here in British Columbia. And just over a year later, unknowing to me, I would find myself boarding a plane and moving to India. Surrender is not something that comes naturally to any of us. In fact, it's almost counterintuitive to who we are. You and I have a natural desire to want to push forward, to fight, or simply just to hold on. And when you and I are faced with situations or circumstances that require us to relinquish our will, our desire, or even our control, let's face it, it can feel uncomfortable and make us want to hold on tighter to what we ourselves want. Well, this week is Holy Week. It's Palm Sunday, and we're headed towards Easter. Here, we celebrate the crucifixion, the death, and most importantly, the resurrection of Jesus. And today, we're going to look at this verse from Matthew 26. It is one of the most raw and agonizing moments in Jesus' life. Jesus has just finished sharing the Last Supper with his disciples, and he's given a foreshadowing of what was next. He then heads to the Garden of Gethsemane and takes his disciples with him. So let's read the passage. It says, And Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go there and pray. And he began to be sorrowful 
and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. He then returns to his disciples and he found them sleeping. He says, couldn't you men keep watch with me just for one hour? He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They were tired. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. You see, I don't think it's possible to read this passage of scripture and not feel Jesus' sense of agony and distress. These moments are so raw and vulnerable. They are full of Christ's humanity. And in a way, I think each of us in this room today can find our own story in this situation. Jesus is faced with an agonizing situation, one where he knows the outcome, but he is still pleading with God the Father to somehow find another way. I think we've each been in situations like this in our lives where we don't like the outcome of what's coming next, and we want to find another way, desperately looking and wishing for a different way forward. Or we find ourselves fighting with what we selfishly want to do, rather than what's being asked of us. And I think perhaps many of us have found ourselves even pleading with God at times in our lives, somehow in disbelief of what we've actually found ourselves in, or we're resisting what we know that we're actually supposed to be doing. The desire to want to control what comes next is very natural in all of our lives. And we often find ourselves in that place rather than surrendering and choosing to trust God. For some of us, that could be the loss of a job or maybe a diagnosis you never wanted to hear. In fact, it could be the loss of a relationship or the breakdown of a marriage. Sometimes it could be the sudden death of a loved one or a family friend or perhaps the pain of watching somebody you deeply care about suffer. It could be that disappointment of not getting into the program you so desperately wanted, or it could be the fallout of a high-stakes business deal that's left you decimated. You see, the places we find ourselves in can lead us to places of shock, bewilderment, and wondering and asking, how can this be happening in my life? And I know each of us have had these situations in our own lives and journeys, questioning how is this happening right now in my life? It's a place of raw, untethered emotion and not at all how we ever saw things unfolding for our lives. It can also look like our desire to simply be in control of our own lives, to hold tightly to what we want and to push back on what God is asking us to relinquish and to surrender to him. Jesus was in the same situation, asking God for another way out, asking God for another solution. He didn't like what was coming before him, and he was asking his father, if there's another way, can you figure it out? But Jesus doesn't ask God once or twice, but three times he returns to prayer, and he wades through the pain and the sorrow of choosing to surrender. 
He's feeling the enormous weight of surrender and what it's going to mean for his life. It's heavy. And I think there's something really important in here that we all need to acknowledge this morning. Jesus is not hiding his pain or his distress. In fact, he is expressing his emotions, his fears, and he is wrestling with his will versus the Father's will. He is navigating all of the emotions that come in knowing his closest of friends are about to betray him and say publicly that they never even knew him. He is grieving. He's also aware that he's about to be arrested and is facing the end of his life. He is 33 years old. Let that sink in for a moment. 33. Jesus is in deep anguish and grief. He has a deep awareness of his reality and his pure emotions are spilling out everywhere. You know, you and I, in our own struggles, can often have a hard time determining God's will for our lives, especially when we're in distress, especially when we're in panic mode. It's hard to work to calm ourselves when we're fearful. Things do not seem rational, and it's really hard for you and I to determine the will of God when our fear is so great. And it was no different for Jesus. While he was not in panic mode and distressed in that sense, he was definitely feeling the weight and the agony of the situation before him. This was dark and this was heavy. He falls on his face asking God to take this responsibility away from him. He is deeply grieved and filled with sorrow. In fact, Luke twenty-two forty-four says this. And in his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. You see, Jesus is choosing to surrender, and he's showing us that it is not easy. You know, in my journey through life, I have had my own Garden of Gethsemane time and time again. And while it may not have ever had the same intensity of what Jesus was facing, I can tell you the weight of that surrender has felt much the same. And I'm sure you can relate in many situations in your own life. In your own journey, you can recall times where you felt broken, afraid, uncertain, and felt like things were not in your control. It's a very vulnerable place for all of us to be. And it ties us together in humanity because there isn't one of us who've not experienced some level of anguish or trouble times in our lives. So I was leaving Macau after having lived there for four months. And this was in the early 90s, and I had to go to Hong Kong and spend the night so I could catch my flight out the next morning. And I was anxious about heading back to Canada into my last year of college. And I was staying in the city in this really large building that was owned by our organization, and it was empty. All but one resident living on the ground floor, whose name was Sadie. She was an elderly missionary who had lived her entire life as a single woman serving in Asia. In fact, I had a great deal of respect for her, and and in fact, I even looked at her life as maybe a resemblance of what my own would be in the future as a single woman in ministry. God changed that story, but that was my perspective at that time. (laughs) But in that moment, I found myself wrestling with God, with his purposes for my life. I was filled with questions, With doubt, I found myself alone in this massive building, in a city full of millions of people. 
I was crying and I was yelling at God. I was not happy. I have never felt so alone in my life. Things were not unfolding how I thought they would. And I wasn't even convinced of God's plans for me. In fact, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to have any part of what he was asking me to do. I remember falling to the floor in my room and yelling at God and crying and saying, what do you want from me? I was in anguish as I was contemplating my future and what I was doing, and I was so, so perplexed with his purposes. I was burned out, I was tired, I was confused, and I was questioning his plans. I had come to the end of myself, to the end of my rope. And in those moments of anguish and uncertainty, I chose to hold on to God. I chose to surrender what I wanted for what he wanted. And all he was looking for was an open and willing heart. You know, those moments did not see all the answers come to my queries and questions and wonderings. I did not get this magical answer on the wall. Nothing like that happened. But in that moment, I was faced with making a deliberate choice to once again surrender my will over to his will for my life. Father James Martin is a Jesuit priest and prolific writer, and he shares this. Expressing our feelings honestly in troubled times is not a sign of weakness, but of humanity and humility. Jesus experiences the full range of human emotions, and he shares them with his friends in a fully human way. For us, expressing sadness and fear allow us to set aside our desire to be in control. It also is an invitation to let others love us. You see, Jesus didn't go away and pray one time and resolve the anguish inside. Scripture tells us three times he returned and prayed the same thing. Jesus is showing what it's like to wrestle through the weight of his situation and what's being asked of him. Toni Sorensen is an author, and she puts it this way, and I love this. She said, the word surrender has some shadowy connotations. <laughs> we think it's weak to surrender, but sometimes it's the bravest thing we can possibly do. It means to give our will over to another. And when that other is Christ, we are surrendering our pride, our self-reliance, and our will to do things our way. We trust him more than we trust ourselves. The origin of the word surrender did not mean to give up, listen to this, but rather to give over. We give our will over to God and let him do with it what he will, and in the process we lose nothing but gain much. We often think of surrender as this white flag of like, oh, I give up. But in God's kingdom, in God's economy, it doesn't mean surrendering and just like this. It means giving over, willfully choosing. Some of you would be familiar with Elizabeth Elliot and Jim, her husband. 
So the Elliots had moved to Ecuador in the 50s, and they worked as missionaries. They had followed the call of God on their lives to go and to serve in Ecuador, in this country. They were committed to serving him wholeheartedly. And at one point, Jim and four of his friends had been working desperately to encounter a new people group called the Akas. They were an unreached people group who had never experienced foreigners before, and so they set out to meet these people. And unfortunately, that very first encounter would find these five men who chose to listen and obey to what God had asked them to do, found them speared to death, all five of them. This left Elizabeth suddenly a widow with a 10-month-old baby girl. Her life literally fell apart, as did the others who lost their loved ones. Elizabeth would actually choose to remain in Ecuador for some more years, and, and she worked to learn the language. And at one point, she actually sought out to reach the very tribe that killed her husband. She worked to befriend them. She began to live with them, the very people who had killed her husband. Her life is a testament to giving over to God. In the injustice of what she found herself in, she chose to trust God. And it makes these words of hers all that more powerful. She says this, the only reason that we are ever scared of the will of God is because we cannot see the grace that will be there. It brings us back to the very thing that holds us back, fear. Fear holds us back from often experiencing the will of God in our lives. But hear this, Fear also gives way for you and I to choose to trust God, to relinquish our desire to be in control and to trust the goodness of God in our circumstances and our situations. Jesus knew that his closest friends were about to betray him and deny that they ever even knew him. He also knew the mission of his father that had been put before him, a responsibility that would actually end his life and bear the sins of the world a call to be willing to sacrifice his own life in complete surrender, not just to fulfill scripture and the will of the Father, but hear this, to willingly lay down his life for all of humankind. He had a choice to make. He didn't just do it because he was told. He was human and he had to wrestle with the weight of what was being asked of him. He shows us what it means to choose surrender. And hear me this morning. Surrender is not easy. It requires us to look at our selfish desires and ask, why is it so hard for me to give up control of something I so desperately want to hold on to? It requires us to look at our pride and our own self-reliance. Jesus shows us the power of surrender and the posture of surrender. It doesn't mean that everything is going to turn out perfect. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy or that there's not going to be a cost to it. But it does mean that we don't walk that road ahead alone. Surrender is a posture of openness and a willingness, a choice to choose God and to lean in to him. I love how Rick Warren, a known pastor in the U.S., says it. He said, in our competitive world, we are taught to never quit trying, never give up, and never give in. So we don't often hear much about surrendering. 
If winning is everything, surrendering is unthinkable. Even Christians would rather talk about winning, succeeding, overcoming, and conquering rather than yielding, submitting, obeying, and surrendering. But surrendering to God is the heart of worship. That's our posture. That's what he's asking of us, a willingness to be open and surrender. Surrender is a posture that you and I are asked to hold, and there is a cost to it. In fact, it may not always make sense. It may come down to the attitudes of our heart, but willing, if we are willing to yield our desires and to step aside and into what he wants in order to obey what he's asking of us, in order to reflect his love, this is the act of worship in our lives. And Jesus did exactly the same thing. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me, for you. That was the willingness that he chose. Some of you will remember Pastor Rich Velotis. He spoke here via the screen uh, this past fall. He's a pastor of New Life Fellowship in New York. And I follow him on Instagram. And he recently posted this. And I wanted to share it with you. This story is actually in reference to Jonah and the whale. But I think these words are really important for us to hear this morning. He says, on the outside, it looks like it's the end for him. Him being Jonah. But he is actually being carried by God. Sometimes, and maybe you can relate, life can swallow us whole. It looks and feels like the end, but the mystery of faith is that God uses all of this to carry us toward his purpose for us. You see, our posture of surrender opens the door to curiosity, to possibilities beyond our own selfish desires and agenda, to hold a posture of surrender means that we come with open hands, willing to listen to the heart of the Father, willing to trust him as he leads us in the journey ahead, willing to face our own humanity and ask ourselves honestly, what are we holding on to and why? I shared earlier that my first pastorate was in Terrace. And shortly after, I found myself on a plane moving to India. That was back in the late 90s. And a year and a half after I moved to India, life became very, very unpredictable. In fact, the government got involved in scrutinizing our work and our ministry and everything that we were doing. Tensions were high, and it was not unusual for me to be pulled out of a class I was teaching and questioned and interrogated for hours on end. While we had done nothing wrong, it was certainly a very trying time. There was enormous amounts of stress and uncertainty. And at one point, I actually lived my days not knowing if I would be arrested, blacklisted, and kicked out of the country. I can tell you that fear was palpable. I learned to live my life fully dependent on God, as things were certainly out of my control. I had no control out of anything that happened in my days. 
I had to daily choose to surrender this unpredictable situation into God's hands. And it was over a six-month ordeal. I had sleep deprivation. Stress was very high. And each day, I lived not knowing what would unfold for myself, the college, for our students, our 50-plus church plants, the pastors and the communities in those villages. It was very stressful. I had no control over any of it. And one day, God gave me a passage of scripture from John 12, 24, and it says this. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, how can it bear fruit? <laughs> Again, I'm going to be honest, that's not the most encouraging of passages. <laughs> I was like, for real? <laughs> you know, it's actually in reference to the life of Christ that from his death, new life and fruit would be produced. It's not often that we want to think of things dying in order to produce new fruit and good things coming out of death. But that's exactly what the life of Christ is as an example for us. And I held onto this passage of scripture for months knowing that I had to surrender everything into his hands. My life was in his care. I had to be willing to welcome the outcome no matter how terrifying it was and trust that God was with me and that what was being planted here had a purpose to it beyond what I could see in the chaos and the disarray and the heartache and the uncertainty, God was still at work. And like Pastor Velota said, I had to believe the mystery of faith was still carrying me towards his purposes for my life. And maybe some of you need to hear that this morning. In the chaos, the heartache, the disarray, the questioning, the uncertainty, you need to hold on to the truth that God is still carrying you towards his purposes for your life. Surrender is a heart posture of willingness and openness. The places to surrender in our lives can sometimes be really big areas, but equally, they can be the everyday comforts we hold on to for predictability and comfort. And it's in those very areas where God is asking us to trust him, to surrender our will to his, and to live with a posture of openness before him. So I'm going to ask the question this morning, do we trust God more than we trust ourselves? Do we trust God more than we trust ourselves, our plans, and our own agendas? So what does it look like for us to surrender? It means choosing to trust God. So how do we do that? How do we choose to trust God? Well, it's just a daily choice to give things over to him by choosing to recognize the things in our lives that we need to give over to him. It doesn't mean life is going to be lived without anguish or pain, but it does mean that we live knowing there is something greater at work and someone walking with us. It requires us to be honest with ourselves, to wrestle through the emotions of what it means to surrender in that area of our lives. It means coming with a posture of openness to him and asking God to bring awareness to areas of our lives that we're holding on to. It means asking him to help us relinquish those areas of our lives over to him. I'm going to ask Esther and the band to come back up. And, and we're going to get ready to head into communion. And 
you were handed a piece of paper and a pencil this morning on your way in. And if you didn't have one, uh, just raise your hand and I'm going to ask Quinton if he could get one to you. But it's not a test. Don't worry. It's just a little piece of paper and pencil. If you need one, just put your hand up and the ushers will get one for you. But here's what I want to, here's where I want to lead us this morning. Just put your hand up high, then they can see. Yeah, thank you so much, Quentin. I want to ask us the question this morning. What are you holding on to? Is it allowing you to flourish and thrive in your life? Or is it holding you back? Are you willing to release that area of your life into his care? To trust God more than you trust yourself. Some of us have some really big things ahead of us in our lives that, that we're kind of questioning and not certain about. Maybe someone this week got some news that they didn't want. Maybe you're walking with someone through a really dark time in their lives. Do you trust God more than you trust yourself in the situation and circumstance? You see, you and I need to feel the weight of what we're being asked to surrender. And then we need to make a choice and be willing to surrender that over to God, all of those areas of our lives. And then we're asked to have open hands. This posture, you see this? Open hands. A posture of willingness to surrender. You see, Jesus set a beautiful and yet a very difficult example for us that day in the Garden of Gethsemane. He showed us his humanity and his humility. The outcome for him was costly. Yet he chose to surrender to the will of the Father. And as we come to communion today, we often have our, our bucket up here for our offering. But I'm going to ask you to do something today. I'm going to ask you to write down an area of your life you sense God asking you to surrender or to give over to him. Something that he's asking you to come to with a posture of openness and to relinquish control over that situation to him. As we come to take communion, I'm going to ask as you come down the sides that you bring your piece of paper, and nobody needs to see it, but you just drop it in the bucket. And it's a participatory symbol of your desire and willingness to relinquish and to give over something to God. To say to him as a symbol of your willingness to surrender that area of your life over to his care, his love, and his purposes. And so I'm going to create some space. I'm just going to ask the band to play. And I just want to create a few moments of, of opportunity for you to think through something in your life doesn't have to be huge. Maybe it's just your desire to want to control the plans that you're, you have for your life. Maybe this morning it's your desire to be in control of your life. Maybe God's asking you this morning to surrender a relationship or maybe to have faith and just to step into a relationship. Maybe, maybe today God is asking you to give over to him something that you've wanted so desperately to control and hold on to. You see, our posture of openness is all he's asking for, but when we close up and we hold on to those things and say, mm -mm. oh God, I love you, but mm -mm. 
I wanna hold on to things because we find comfort in that. We find comfort and predictability in being in control of what we want. So I just wanna give you some space this morning to think of an area of your life that God might be asking you to have open hands with, to let go and to relinquish. And I just want you to write that on that piece of paper. So I'm just gonna let you do that now. of paper, much like the picture that we've just seen on the screen behind us with the open hands, I want to ask you to just put that paper upside down so nobody can see it, just you in your hands in front of you. And I'm going to read a prayer of abandonment over us this morning before we head into communion. So whatever that is that you're choosing this morning to surrender to God, to give over to his care and purposes, whatever that is, I want you just to hold it before him. And you know what? If you didn't write anything down, you need to know that's okay. That's okay. Because God knows your heart. And he doesn't say, well, sorry. He says, oh, that's okay. We're going to get there together. And so I want to read this prayer of abandonment over us this morning as we hold that piece of paper before him. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all of your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. And to your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart. For I love you, Lord and so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence, for you are my Father. Amen.